0: i got a very interesting question from a listener who told me that um, she rents her house and the, the house that she rents has a pool. Before Christmas, I asked the tenant to not fill the pool, to rather let the water deteriorate as it would, ensuring that I would accept the consequence because she wasn't able to get a cover at the time. My emailer, the pool went green. The tenants Ned said they had rented a house with a pool. That was their understanding. We're not renting a house without a pool. We've got a family, we like to swim in the summer, we rented a house with a pool, and the lease says that we have full usage of the house and pool and therefore provide us with full usage of the house and pool. So my emailer arranged at her cost to get the pool back to normal, which meant replenishing water, the cost of which would be my account, including all chemicals and a damaged pump. So that was four and a half thousand rand. Bought shade cloth and all that sort of thing to facilitate the ongoing usage of the pool, asking them to keep it topped up to the minimum possible. That, uh, the cost of the cover was 1900 rand. And the water bill this month was 1100 rand, not including sewerage. And then the question... Who is responsible for fines, blaming and shaming, etc. If water is used unsparingly by the tenant of the property, despite emails, texts, etc. to advise of the water situation and request they do not actually use the pool, and so on? Marlon Chevalu is a rental property lawyer. Marlon, good afternoon.
1: Yes, hi, John. How's it going?
0: All right. What's the what's the uh, what's the answer here? Is there is there a clear legal precedent or obvious answer?
1: Well, I wish there were. I mean, thankfully there's not. That's why you guys are so busy in the, in the legal profession. Look, I think the, the very short logical answer is that if a tenant rents a property which includes the use of a pool, they're entitled to use the pool. If, however, the landlord says, listen, I'll bear the consequences of not filling the pool up, if the tenant goes ahead and wanting to splurges all the water and causes the, the owner to actually suffer a loss or to receive fines from the municipality, that cannot be, ever be the landlord's liability. I do believe that you have to marry up what the rights of the tenant are to having a pool versus the water restrictions, invariably 3B, which is now coming in, which is going to be far more restrictive, versus, you know, the rights of the tenant to enjoy their property. And previously on Cape Talk, I mentioned that there could never be anything in a lease agreement, even providing a pool, which would deny... That, or which would provide that the tenant uh, is entitled to enjoy the benefits of the property, but that can never override the bylaw of water restrictions. So when it comes to blaming and shaming, I do believe that the landlord can easily pass those fines onto the tenant, especially if the landlord's been reasonable. In the example you just mentioned, the landlord was called upon, or the landlord of his own volition chose to... Inform them fill up the pool to a reasonable level and that's a reasonable request if the tenant went ahead of his own volition and started using in excess of what was the minimum required to keep the pool active and to you know apply with what the tenant would need to enjoy the property then I felt to see how the liability could ever attach to the landlord i would go so far as to say that if the lease had to come to an end the actual security deposit that the landlord held on behalf of the tenant could be utilised to pay for those fines and the naming and shaming which has been caused by the tenant.
0: Okay, so um, there's no doubt uh, that the the more... You use the pool. The more people use the pool, the more it needs to be topped up because particularly if you've got children, they love to jump in and out of the pool. It splashes water outside. The more you've got the cover off because you're swimming, the more wind and sun evaporation removes the water and it then requires relatively constant top up in order to keep above the the level of the pool pump. But that, that seems to me extremely unreasonable at a time like this to expect to be allowed to do that in a rental property.
1: But especially in this instance of this particular example, because each case is decided on its own merits, in this particular example, you mentioned at the beginning, that the landlord said, don't, just, just leave the pool, and if you do intend to use the pool, please keep it to a minimum level, just so that the pump can work. So for the tenant to choose to use the water, not sparingly, is a clear circumvention of the Water Act and of the bylaw, and it's actually caused the landlord a tremendous amount of cost. because. The municipality, in terms of the municipality act, they're going to look to the owner to remedy the breach and to pay up what is owed, and that cost invariably will be passed to the tenant. So, besides being selfish and not taking heed of what the landlord needed, they chose to rely on this clause in their lease agreement, which allows them to have a pool. Yes, but everyone else is struggling here with water restrictions, and no one is above the law. And I don't see why the landlord, who's been more than reasonable, having fixed up the pool, bore that cost. To now, suddenly be blamed and shamed by the municipality. I don't see why the landlord should pick up that cost. Uh, Ken, okay,
0: Molan, um, uh, sorry to interrupt, but we're heading to news and there's a question from John in Sunningdale, sure. which uh, I suspect you'll be better placed, I'm, so, I'm sure you'll be better placed than I am to answer. John, hi.
1: Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Um, my question is uh, I've just sold my property um, and one of the suspensive conditions in the contract is that the pool needs to be topped up and maintained. Now, six months ago I covered the pool up. Uh, and even though you know, there's a solid cover, quite a bit of water has, you know, evaporated and the level has gone down a bit. So I'm gonna have to like top up, you know, quarter of the pool and I was just wondering, you know, what are my rights or or you know, what can I do here?
0: Okay. Molin, um, um, you were described as a rental property lawyer, and this is around property sale, but I'm, I'm quite sure that you still will be able to. I mean, does he have to just grin and bear? I mean, it, it probably – I worked out that to completely fill a new pool would be about 4,000 rand at the current punitive rate. So if, if it's going to cost John 1,500 rand to top up his pool to meet that suspensive condition, is, is that what he has to do?
1: Potentially, yes, because if a suspensive condition is not complied with, and that can be a suspensive condition in a sale agreement or a lease agreement, if it's not complied with, it gives the other party the right to take legal action to consider it to be a breach and force them to remedy it. So a suspensive condition or a condition precedent are specific terms or conditions which are linked exclusively to a contract. As long as that suspensive condition, John, does not fall foul of the water restriction by law. That's the simple answer. If it doesn't, then he must grin and bear it. If he does, he'd have a logical argument to say, I can't comply with the suspensive condition because the law
0: does not allow me to do so. At the moment, he doesn't because he has a pool cover. And at the moment, restrictions, even the 3B that are coming in following the council meeting on Thursday, allow you to fill your pool if you have a pool cover. So John has a pool cover. He's allowed by municipal law to fill his pool because he's got a full pool cover. So in terms of his sale agreement, he must fill his pool and bear the cost.
1: I would say so.
0: Thanks, Marlon. Marlon Chevrolet, rental property lawyer. John, I'm sorry, but there we go. That's what the lawyer and the talk show host, trust the lawyer, not the talk show host, have to say about your question.